Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. Knights of Ren, go. The second 20 of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker begins with the severed head of that uh, wonderful uh, resistance Bulio. spy, Bulio, who was voiced by Mark Hamill. Uh, the head is um, gruesomely slammed down on the board table uh, of the First Order's little business meeting, which is very much a mirror of Darth Vader sequences where where uh, Kylo Ren is like, listen, I know what to do. You don't know what uh, I've seen, what the Force is capable of. Um, and meanwhile, there's uh, paper pushers who are like, oh, please, ancient uh, re religions and corny weapons. And so anyway, there's a little bit of violence and, and contention there. Uh, our heroes, all in one unit, have traveled to the forbidden desert of Pasana, where a festival is taking place. And uh, I guess I forget exactly why they've come there. Uh, because that's where Luke's trail went cold in his hunt for the Wayfinder to Exegol. Right, right. Okay. So what comes next? Uh, so what comes next is uh, during this festival, uh, Ray meets a little girl who gives her a necklace. They have a moment about Ray not having a last name. And then Kylo turns on force time. Uh, they have a bit of a conversation. Uh, Kylo saying that she will eventually turn to the dark. Uh, and then he rips her necklace off, uh, uses uh, some first order technology to track where they are. Uh, and then he starts to hunt them down on Pasana. Um, meanwhile, uh, some stormtroopers find them, uh, and right as they're about to get arrested, an arrow flies through one of their heads, and they're rescued by a guy in armor. That guy in armor is our friend Lando Calrissian, who tells them about the fact that he and Luke were searching for a Jedi hunter called Ochi of Bastoon, and their trail went cold. Um out in the desert, but they can go still look for his ship for extra clues. So now the so they're off. The chase is on, and while they're out looking for Ochi's ship, they're being tailed by a bunch of uh, stormtroopers, and so they're going to have to do some speeder maneuvering, and thankfully they've got some of the best pilots uh, in the Resistance traveling among them. They're able to brutally uh, d disarm the stormtroopers, uh, and uh, they actually land themselves in a, in a pit of quicksand. They're sucked down into caverns below the earth, and there they're seemingly um, uh, safe because they're able to travel uh, unseen by the First Order, but then, of course, they come face-to-face -face with a giant snake, which will attack them. It's hostile, but Rey notices quickly that it's injured, and so she gently goes towards it and uses Force Heal to tame it, allowing them to pass by. Yes, so she heals its wound on the side, and as kind of a thank, it blocks down a wall, uh, which allows them to be able to escape from the caverns. Right before this, uh, they notice the, the speeder and the bones of Oshi of Bastoon, uh, and then also in the sand, a dagger. Uh, and this is the Sith dagger that 3PO says has uh, Sith language on it, and ultimately, um, he, can't, he knows what it says, but can't... Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? You can't translate. Uh, translate, thank you. <laughs> but can't translate it for them because it goes against his protocol and programming. Uh, so they decide they just have to get out of there to escape from the Knights of Ren. Uh, they get onto Oshi's ship, uh, but Ray kind of wanders off, uh, and they need to get the hell out of there. And so uh, Chewie goes after Ray, and the 20 ends when two Knights of Ren we see are right behind Chewie, and it's not going to look good for our big fuzzy friend. No, and we can talk about that next week. And I guess it cuts off before any of the actual action takes place. Is that correct? Correct, correct. So the only other thing we didn't talk about in the recap is that there's a, there's a pretty tense FaceTime moment between Ray and Ren where... We uh, mentioned. Well, we did, but like it, it kind of implies that they haven't talked in a little while. 
Palpatine wants you dead. Serving another master? No. I have other plans. I offered you my hand once. You wanted to take it. Why didn't you? You could have killed me. Why didn't you? You can't hide, Ray. Not from me. I see through the cracks in your mask. You're haunted. You can't stop seeing what you did to your father. Do you still count the days since your parents left? Such pain in you. Such anger. I don't want to have to kill you. I'm going to find you, and I'm going to turn you to the dark side. When I offer you my hand again, you'll take it. We'll see. So is it safe to say that, that Kylo Ren is desperate in this moment? Or is he starting to show any of his desperate weakness in, in the Ray FaceTimes? Uh, I don't know so much. Uh, I think actually it's a little frustrating that Ray Ray isn't actually tempted by anything. No, that's true. Like we don't we see a little bit of anger. Like she gets like she puts on uh, like, a, like a very good angry face in the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, but she's never tempted to the dark side. Nope. And so it is a little bit lacking in that regard. Kind of their FaceTime, like I'll turn you like you've never had any success in trying to turn her to the dark side, Kylo. I have no idea why the hell you think you will. But couldn't you say I the same about Luke in, in the original trilogy? Like I know the, the fear is that he's going to be turned, but you're never actually scared that's going to happen. We, we, the first thing we see him do is choke out guards in Jabba's palace. And then yep. he threatens to kill Jabba uh, t a couple times. Um, I think it's more rudimentary than that, though, especially watching as a child. You're just like, well, he's killing bad guys, so that's a good guy thing to do. And certainly yeah, and as a young viewer and certainly as any viewer of Star Wars in the layman's era of Return of the Jedi, you're not necessarily associating Force Choke only with the Sith. We don't only think of that as dark magic. That's just him getting better was, with the Force. That was George Lucas's intention, though, completely. And yeah. the, the notion of him wearing black and at the very end when he makes his decision, that's when the white flap opens up is is a very key thing that they're going for. But like Ray, she's wearing solid white in this one, and it's because she really doesn't waver a whole lot. And so I'd say Kylo isn't coming necessarily from a position of strength, but he does know information that she wants. Like he has, like he's really, he has, um, he has the upper hand. He has the high ground in that element, in the sense that he just has uh, info asymmetry. That he he has info she doesn't, and he has power from that because he knows where Exegol is. She's looking for Exegol. He's uh, he's not on a clock. She is on a clock. He's coming after her. Um, there's a yeah, uh, but there is also another issue I noticed with the force time thing is. The stormtroopers just find them. Okay, I, I'm so glad you wanted to talk about because that's that's my biggest issue with this twenty. So this is how it breaks down. As soon as she stops talking with Kylo, which is to say, as soon as he snatches the beads yep. from her neck, she immediately rushes back to her friends and she's like, "We have got to get the f out of here. They know where we are." No sooner does the first order analyze the beads to find out where they are, send agents to Pasana, find them within like a few feet, like you can reach out and touch them. And all of this has happened before the heroes have decided to move anywhere out of the way. It's, it's yeah. something about the timing is very silly. Well, the ridiculous part is that they, like the stormtroopers find them before it's analyzed. I think it has to be. 
So the stormtroopers just have to call it in. They never had to analyze anything. You right. didn't have to snatch it from her neck. I mean, that's a cool thing, but if you want to have that as the the tool that gets them to track down, you can't then also have them just discovered because, you know, First Order Patrol always are in these crowds. And it's like, but I don't know, that's weak. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think it's just them assuming we're not going to uh, analyze their timeline. I don't think there's anything indicating that those stormtroopers aren't there because of the beads. I think it's just all sped up. No, I, I think very much so. That I think that's uh, just a a blunder because they say, like Poe says, um, like there's always First Order patrol in these crowds, and it happens immediately after the bead thing. And so it just it uh, that's the way I associate it that it's patrol because they're not necessarily the same troopers that are um, brought in by the Knights of Ren, right? Either, and so it is a little up in the air in that regard, but. Either way, the timeline is my most frustrating point in this current viewing. Uh, the 16 hours is one of the m- most error-packed mistakes uh, in a Star Wars movie that you just didn't need to make um, because it just makes everything in this movie timeline-wise make no sense. Yes, I kind of agree. And you mentioned in the recap the arrow going through the eye of the helmet of that stormtrooper in particular. And I will that say, cool. uh, I got to give it to Disney. They do not shy away from occasional brutal violence in this sequel trilogy of Star Wars, which is something they they're want to do generally. They mm. kind of uh, polish and file all the edges off of otherwise scrappy content once they acquire it. And I mean, they probably mm. have done that in certain areas with Star Wars. This podcast in particular is not always so friendly to Disney. Um, but I, I don't think they have, I don't think they can be charged with uh, neutering the violence from Star Wars, and that and that particular moment is a great example. Oh, I, I wouldn't. I, I would agree with that as well. I think there are. Uh, I think there are a lot of instances where they go really far into kind of some of the the horror elements that Star Wars never has before, and they've definitely hit some of the silly elements that Star Wars has before, even if the silly isn't exactly the same kind of silly that people are familiar with. Um, but no, I think when it comes to violence, I think the thing that Disney's butchered is um it's lightsabers yeah. just in, in in general i think there's like i i've watched it i think three or four times now uh the death star battle that's in this movie with duel of the fates and battle of the heroes uh scoring it as opposed to the nothing that actually scores it in the movie and it's so damn epic uh and also, so even that how do you make a star wars movie and not prioritize the uh, spectacle that is your lightsaber fight. Like, that's like the most yeah. important thing in the action of a Star Wars movie. It's what everybody came to see. I don't know why it's so underserved in this entire trilogy, which is not to say there isn't some good lightsaber action. There is, but it's lacking. We do not get Mustafar. We do not get Duel of the Fates. Uh, we, we really don't even get the emotion of uh, Empire Strikes Back. Maybe no. a little bit. I mean, The Force Awakens in the woods. That's That's yeah. pretty great. Oh, I mean, it's, I'm not necessarily saying the score. I think the scoring at certain points is, is really great. I think it's really sloppy in this movie. Just no, the scoring of, is fine. I'm talking about the lightsaber fights, just like the visual. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the visuals. I actually, I adore the lightsaber fight in The Force Awakens. Yeah. And the the throne room one does have some issues. Oh, uh, yeah. They're, um, they're, it's, it's badass looking, but if you do watch some background things closely there, it's, it's not a perfect scene by any means. And no, um, like no two lightsabers cross blades in that whole movie, which is kind of fucked when you realize true. it. 
Yeah, it is. But I mean, the way that they do the the final sequence as well. I mean, I don't have an issue with lightsabers not crossing blades in that movie. Um, but that's there are other issues that we all have with that movie. But yeah, you're, I would definitely agree. Uh, lightsabers need to be done better in television and film moving forward you mentioned you mentioned c-3po um or rather you mentioned silliness in this 20 and i think that 3po is the most obvious answer because he's oh, yeah. he's just full of one-liners it's a great line it's a good 3po 20 yeah you didn't say my name sir but i'm all right <laughs> yeah, this I, isn't the afterlife is it are droids allowed here <laughs> all of the stuff in the cave that 3po says uh was punched up by ben schwartz oh really yeah that's super cool. He's buddies with J.J. Abrams for whatever reason, and, and J.J. called him and asked him to like just kind of shine up a little bit of 3PO's dialogue on Pasana. And uh, he did uh, a great that's job. Cool. You can sense it because 3PO talks a lot in this 20, even for 3PO, and what he says is gold. In fact, in yeah. general, this is a good movie for 3PO. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I absolutely agree with this being the best 3PO movie since A New Hope. Um, oh, maybe. Oh, actually, no, Return of the Jedi with him being the god. That is pretty awesome. <laughs> Uh, 3PO's moment also where uh, when he's just rambling on and they all turn to look at him and then he turns around as well. That was yeah. a great moment. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the snake? Do you want to talk about, about the pit and that whole instance? I mean, we've talked a little bit before about how there are complications with force healing. Um, not necessarily opposed to it. It has its its problematic tendencies as well. Uh, do you have any idea about the snake or how it might have been injured in the first place? Or how Ray was inclined to know that she could heal it? There is, that's the, the landslide biggest problem with force healing is the need to do it the way that they did. Like, how did she learn how to do it? She learned how to do it through the Jedi texts. It's the only way she could have, right. obviously. And if she learned it through the Jedi texts, then how come other people didn't learn it? And. Right. And and, that, and that's where the problem is. Like if it's a if it's a rare, powerful force power that can come from like not even necessarily realizing what you're doing or instinct, but like she very clearly it was a learned skill that seemed pretty basic. Whereas you can't have that when you've had all these other moments and moments later in this movie. Like Poe gets shot, but she doesn't help him. Yeah. Um, he's got like a his arms in a sling the rest of the movie. Um, she also nails it like it takes her two seconds yeah and no she expends no energy so like clearly she's great at it now there is a history of different force users having different specialties with the force like mm -hmm. being better at certain things and so maybe this is just because she's like a caring em empathic jedi maybe this is really in line with her her skill set force heal mm. does that make sense uh once again I would agree with that if it weren't for the Jedi texts. I think it's it's a terrible way for her to have learned that power. Uh, it just it makes no sense whatsoever. It, and I mean, like maybe these Jedi texts were not known by the like Jedi Order. Maybe these were long lost texts, like from the origins of the Jedi. And then the Jedi Order that we knew in the prequels had long lost access to these original texts in the way that they lost their way. If that's the case, then that's fine. But otherwise, it seems like it's fairly rudimentary. And then you go back to all the other instances. And I'm not—I've not been one to criticize force healing. I just think you can't make it 
so simple. I mean, Baby Yoda, he's operating 100% on instinct, so it makes sense. Ray and Kylo have such a close bond, so it makes sense. Ray and Kylo are also fucking insanely powerful, so yeah. that makes sense. But it the book doesn't account for like the book is not expecting the most powerful midi chlorian force user ever to be picking it up because i mean under my headcanon kylo and ray would be equal in midi chlorian count or their ability to connect with the force and i believe that would be higher than luke's and i think that would be higher than anakin's i think it probably concentrates as they go um, as they age in general it just needs to be a little bit harder to do it because otherwise i'm exactly. always going to assume that that's your that's your way out that that's your escape and it really and just has to be in this moment like we don't need the snake in this movie at all if not to set us up for later on when she has to use force healing in a much more important capacity otherwise we can lift the snake right out of the movie yeah absolutely and uh, it, I'll, I'll just dive into this sequence this is this is such a bad 20. It is, it makes absolutely no sense. It's sloppy. I mean, we, start, we start up with, we already talked about the, the pacing at the beginning and the timing of the kind of pinpointing where they are and how the First Order gets there so goddamn fast. That makes no sense. Then they get on a chase and they happen to end that chase right exactly in front of Oshi's ship. Mm-hmm. And just so happens to be they land exactly in a sm fairly small sinking pit of sand or whatever these things are, these gray little blotches. Yeah, little beads. They fall down, just so happens to be in the right, in the exact same pit area that Oshi had fell down. And Oshi was not able to escape and died. And his dagger, which just so happened to be the only item on the entire fucking planet they came there for. They literally found a dagger in a desert planet just because. Yeah. Well, you could you could give some credit to the force kind of guiding them in the right direction. You can always use but that as no, a bit of a, a a bit of a springboard for explanation in Star Wars. Yeah, but that that is a that is a terrible explanation Thin. if but that that would be like saying the force guided Anakin and Obi-Wan to that bar in Attack of the Clones because that was the one that Zam Wessel would be at. No, they followed her. That's how <laughs> that's 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 what was the circumstance. Yeah. Ray th this was a chase that got them there. Like you can't use the force as everything. And then the fact that they found the dagger. Also, Ray found the dagger immediately. But if Luke Skywalker was out there with Lando, he couldn't sense it. Yeah, that's true. And also, right outside Lando's ship is all these like underground caverns. Not gonna look under there. Uh, well, let's let's not let's not look at the kind of weird looking quicksand. It's just, and then they find their way out by circumstance because they are able to heal this giant snake. I also take a lot of issue with the logistics of 3PO being able to read something he's programmed against the ability to translate like he's a computer at the end of the day why does his system recognize a language that he can't then use to service his master oh, i have read it sir i know exactly where the wayfinder is unfortunately it is written in the runic language of the sith so what my programming forbids me from translating it. Why Why is it not virtuous for a person to be able to read any kind of information? Like, it's good that we can translate Mein Kampf, even though the content mm. of it is evil. It, there's no value in forever protecting uh, and, and encrypting this information by an enemy. Well, there you go. That, that would be the terminology I was going to say. It's, it's like an encryption of sorts. And it was something that... Um, 
I think 3PL mentions goes back to the old Republic era. And so this would have been when the Sith were massive. Yeah. So the, this was when the Sith are not just a small unit. And so this was potentially something that was done for like a, like a, to be honest, it, it's not something I look too much into. Uh, it bothers me. It, fe it feels like they're, uh, it's very, it's mighty convenient for the plot to keep the story going that they have yet another uh, hoop to jump through when realistically well, it makes no sense that he wouldn't be able to tell his friends who he serves what that information is. Well, no, that's the, that's the thing that bothers me in that the information that they then get later on, like the, all, all it is is just telling them like what to do with right. the dagger under the circumstances. The dagger also makes no goddamn sense because that means that the dagger was made like a decade. It's not ancient. It was made like a decade after the Death Star fell. Um, and then Oshi, like, I guess, carved it while standing in the exact spot that Ray was. <laughs> um, he, he was like, Ray, Ray will stand. No, the person who will, um, uh, the little girl who I don't know exists of these people who I'm going to kill will one day try like it just and the fact that it's standing in the exact same spot and just everything about the dagger itself uh, infuriates me but th it's the conveniences that go along with that so with 3PO for example if he can't translate it he doesn't need to he just needes to have like he just needs to understand the context 3PO yeah. understands context uh, 3PO understands that he can point to a, like a, a map and point to Endor. Uh, and like he, he should be able to comprehend it. It shouldn't also be encrypted to his understanding of it. So that one is kind of a little bit weird. Um, but at the same time, that is a, that is a, for some reason to me, that's a bit of a Star Wars sillyism that I'm okay with. I'm not quite sure why. I think it's because I find all of the other conveniences in this 20 so egregious well i'm just kind of looking at this as like a, as a text like as it's as a piece of writing for all the flaws that are really evident in this 20 either because they start and finish in this 20 or because they set something up in this 20 and another example is this is the first 20 where they start to develop this weird backstory for poe where he was a scoundrel where he like had a shady past and they mm -hmm. really treat it like it's going to be this really earth-shattering reveal that Poe wasn't always virtuous. And I'm just, my feelings are just not hurt by the fact that he used to be a spice runner. Like, also, I, I don't, that's that's not a big deal to me. I don't care. You don't really go anywhere with it anyway, except for that you know how to pick locks. That's, that's really the only reason you had to write it in. And you didn't have to write it in because I still would have believed that Poe can pick locks. He's a badass. No, it's not even picking locks. It's hot wiring a speeder. He's right. a pilot. That yes. makes even way more sense. Right. Uh, but on that notion, stop it. He's not Han Solo, JJ. Exactly. You don't, you killed Han Solo. So stop trying to give him like mean sexual tension with the main female protagonist. Stop making him cranky because last time we remember, he's been fun loving in the first two movies. Yep. Permission to blow something up. Uh, General Hugs, he's a cranky, like, and, Finn like goes hard in with him being cranky. Um, he's very flirty. He's criticizing droids. He's really pissed off at 3PO. These are so Han Solo Empire Strikes Back. And to put it all like on top of everything, the bones. I don't like bones. Yeah. All I could think of was snakes. Snakes. 
why'd it have to be snakes? Yep. That's right. Which is Indiana Jones of all things. It's Indiana Jones, yeah. but it doesn't matter. It's still JJ just pulling back on like, ooh, my favorite Harrison Ford in the eighties. Because clearly Han was his favorite character, hence the reason the focus in The Force Awakens. And hell, I wouldn't blame him of the original characters. But it it's something that really stood out to me in this 20 um was i don't think they really continue it beyond this point but he's like a clone of of han solo and empire strikes back for like the first 35 minutes of this movie it's also just like a lot of really corny zippy screwball dialogue like similar to i don't like bones is they fly now they fly now I, I, it's just people don't talk like that and normally i'm no. not a person who will accuse a film of of the charge of they don't people don't talk like that i think that's goofy but like it just doesn't sound rhythmically like star wars to me no that deeply pissed off john boyega as well because oh really he's a he was a fan of the clone wars Okay. And like any person who watched the Clone Wars knows, stormtroopers have had jetpacks for a long effing time. Sure. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they had them in Rebels as well. Like it's 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 not a new thing. I mean, maybe it's new for the First Order. It's new in their lifetime. But it's like, I don't know. Finn would have had to study the Empire. I guarantee you that was like one of his classes when he was like eight years old. Is he had to study Imperial things like that? Quotes. Uh, talking yeah, about sure. some quotes that you liked. Uh, I mean, there's some really good back and forths. I, I enjoy the the dialogue with Ray and Ren. I offered you my hand once. You didn't take it. Why didn't you? Mm -hmm. You could have killed me. Why didn't you? Um, I can see the cracks through your mask. You're haunted. I think that's a really nice line. Yeah. Um, Wookie stand out in a crowd. That's what I wanted. The title of the ep uh, yeah, title of our episode: Wookie stand out in a crowd. Yeah. My flying days are long gone, but do me a favor and give Leia my love. My flying days are long gone, but do me a favor. Give Leia my love. You should give it to her yourself. Thank you. I love that line. It's so Lando. It's so Lando. It's so good. It's weird, though, because then Ray says you should tell her yourself. And I, I find that to be an interesting line. Some people say that that's when they know that, that Leia's not going to make it through this movie. Um, I actually, inversely, I think that that line uh, kind of uh, foreshadows her survival, which is untruthful. She doesn't survive. But um, it, it's weird that Ray tells Lando, you should tell her yourself. Like, that's almost telling the audience, wink, wink, Le Leia's going to make it through this somehow i see that as only a wink wink lando will be back in the fight oh yeah that could be true that's kind of the way i viewed it um my knights and i are going hunting for the scavenger i thought that was a menacing line another funny uh, 3po when they're sinking in the sand he says will this agony never end <laughs> it's so over the top so dramatic uh poe so you're telling us the one time we need you to talk you can't yep that's good i like leia uh do me a personal favor be optimistic that yeah, exchange that is, is, is really it's good comedy yes uh we are uh, yes you're not gonna believe how well like i forget what he says but like <laughs> you're not gonna believe how well this is gonna go <laughs> i don't want to know what made these tunnels and then 3po starts to say and he says i don't yeah. want to know yes yeah. the, the anger or the frustration with with 3po again is very han solo uh on hoth yeah, but I mean, I, I am in favor of the 3PO um, shit-talking. Although it would have made more sense for Finn to be the one to dislike 3PO. Poe's known 3PO for a long-ass time. I like the flashlight gag, too, where uh, Poe turns on his flashlight. It does nothing compared to a lightsaber. Oh, I thought that was really, really funny. Yeah. Um, I have that as one of some of the best moments. Um, I also had BB-8 uh, pulling the classic R2 move with the, the orange powder keg. Yes. That was great. Um, 
Also, Beaker, who is driving Lando's transport, <laughs> the Muppet. <laughs> it was Beaker. It just sounded like Beaker. It looked uh, and sounded like Beaker from the Muppets who was driving Lando's transport. I didn't notice it, it looked like him. Okay, uh, uh, some trivia questions, I guess. Sure. In what system is Pasana? The Midian system. It is the Midian right? system. Yep, that's correct. Yep. That's easy. That's you start easy. That's right. Um, what is the full name of the um, big party they arrive at? <laughs> uh, the Akiaki Festival of the Ancestors? Elders. You got it. I got it. Nope. Ancestors was right. Uh, that takes me nicely into um, my night question. What is the Akiaki Festival uh, most known for? Colorful kites and delectable sweets. That's correct. C-3PO. All the useful information. Every 42 years, which is a neat little Easter egg. Yes, since the New Hope. Yeah. Uh, in the first few seconds of this 20, what does one stormtrooper say to the other? Uh, another way of wording this question would be, what does he call the Knights of Ren? Oh, I don't know. First word in the tw it's the first word in the 20. When you started off the 20, you, you skipped the first 10 seconds, and it's the Knights of Ren walking down the hallway with their muddy boots. Must have missed it. And the stormtrooper turns to the other and goes, ghouls, which is weird, but he's basically, yeah, he calls I, them ghouls. I do want to say, and I, I mentioned this in the recap, um, I know it's kind of like a Star Wars tradition for like the the black-hatted uh, bad guy, crony guy in the office meeting to be like, oh, come off it, Lord Vader, you're... Your mm. threats about, uh, you know, hokey magic or, or conjuring or whatever isn't going to work on me. And exactly the same thing happens in this 20. And I think that's fine. I, I find the mirroring nice. I, I think it's always... Conjurers and soothsayers. Yeah, it's always it's always exciting to see the actual big bad guy in the scary mask. Uh, dummy one of, one of his own guys proving to us that he's ruthless. That, that's fine. Mm. Forgive me, sir, but these allies on Exegol, they sound like a cult. Conjurers and soothsayers. What is he asking for in return? Does that prepare to crush any worlds that defy us? My knights and I are going hunting for the scavenger. Um, I think that it's a bit of a, a a failure on Star Wars's part as a whole to better illustrate to us, the viewer, and and frankly the layman viewer, the casual fan that the force is not ubiquitous. I don't I don't think that's understood by everybody who watches Star Wars that even to most of the people in Star Wars the force probably doesn't exist. I think because we watch Star Wars we're like well the force exists, it's the main character. We forget well, that no. in the universe it's it's not the the belief in in having force powers and the Sith and the religion of the Jedi that even there it's it's kind of a fringe ideology. Oh. Absolutely. I mean, there's a large focus of that with what the emperor does in trying to, uh, I mean, he just doesn't talk about the Sith, but paints the Jedi as the criminals of the war um, and the victors write history. And uh, really, I mean, because when you have a galaxy of thousands of planets and you have 10,000 Jedi in your galaxy, I mean, they're not going to be known. And if it's only Republic systems and they really focus on the core worlds I mean, if you, the majority of the galaxy would never, ever, ever have come across uh, a Jedi. And there's actually a focus on that. I, uh, in the current Clone Wars season, uh, we can talk about it a little bit later, but there's 12 episodes, three, four episode arcs. 
Uh, and the second episode arc is about Ahsoka on the underground levels of Coruscant getting to meet people and understanding their view of the Jedi as kind of the downtrodden. Okay. And the Jedi not being viewed of as very helpful, being viewed of as really just the tool of the elite and politicians, which is ultimately what they are at that point. Um, but when it comes to like kind of as an overall, not many people know of the force or of the Jedi. And if they, if they have heard of it, they think it's just absolute like garbage. The way we talk about dragons on earth and things like that. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like that. So I think that's a mistake on star Wars's part to not clarify that more. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And, uh, like very much so they did a great job of that in a new hope, um, maybe more than any other movie. Um, but it, it always, from that point onward, kind of drifted a little bit um, because it was focused on such force-heavy things or with force-heavy characters. Master question for you. Name the species of the injured serpent found in the tunnels on Pasana. Oh, I am never going to get this. Um, it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's a serpent. Um, yes. yes, it is. It's called a vexus. I was going to guess something that started with an EX. Yeah. So that I was just going to, I was going to guess like a, like an, I don't know, but I was trying to formulate some sort of name in my head. Uh, like the Nexu from like the, that's like the cat creature from Attack of the Clones. I, I'm sure they don't say it in the, in the movie, but I, I looked oh, it up no. and it's, it's called a, it's called a Vexus. Do you have any more questions for me? Yep. Uh, how many languages does Poe sarcastically say 3PO knows? Oh, um, 14 kajillion. 20.3 fazillion. Oh, okay. I knew it was a goofy thing like that. Yeah. Uh, okay, I don't have a whole lot more to say about this 20. We were really hard on it. Like, and maybe deservedly, but we kind of went to town on this, on this uh, 20. Uh, yeah, and it's it's not intentional. It's just this is a this is a really, really poor 20. And this is like the next 20 is going to be really action-packed with some a little bit crazy pacing as well. Um, but we'll get better as we go out. This one is just one that you can pick apart and has so many conveniences. Yes. Um, there are some serious conveniences that happen on Kefbur later on, and that'll be an annoying to have to talk about with like, once again, kind of the picking and poking, but there's also a lot of amazing things yet to come in this movie. Yeah. I mean, it's just a lot of incitement of plot sits on the shoulders of this 20. So it's responsible for a lot of stuff that seems incomplete or, uh, mm. underdeveloped in this entire movie. Really, I, I think you could argue that much of what happens in this particular 20 is the main fault for uh, the sins of The Rise of Skywalker in general. I think that if this this 20 was better workshopped, the movie overall would be much better. Yes, absolutely. Because The, the dagger is the, the real piece of all of it that is a, an incredible mistake well you know we uh, also get the thing about how this is the first inclination we have towards uh finn's force mm -hmm. sensitivity he starts to say that in the sinking fields and then he uh, finn's force sensitivity also ray seeing the ship and recognizing ochi's ship mm -hmm. um ochi a bastoon is one of the worst tie togethers like that's the, like that's who killed ray's parents that's like all like the force visions that we got and like uh, the Force Awakens, the Knights of Ren in that field, and like, the, like at the Jedi, like the, it, those none of those things really came. And Oshia Bastoon was just kind of this weird, like put together um, a character who's only seen in flashbacks. Then we see his corpse. It's just like, and you had Snoke, and like, just stop 
having these characters that are just conveniently put there. Well, and it kind of raises the question of the force sensitivity of Ray's father, who presumably was Sheev Palpatine's son. Yeah, he was Sheev Palpatine's clone. Uh, so he was a younger aged uh, Sheev Palpatine clone that did, that did not transfer over with force powers during the cloning process because oh. it's, extremely, it's extremely difficult to clone force sensitive people, hence the reason why Palpatine always had to get different bodies. And with the experimentation, they were able to get a perfect physical clone with zero force capabilities. Then why and does Ray have them? Ray shouldn't be, she shouldn't be force sensitive either then. It's it, just the way it is. It's why, it's why she doesn't have the dark side, I guess. It's why she ultimately prevails because she's not she's not made up of Palpatine's force power at all. She's made up of no. goodness. Yeah, and she like she shares. She sh- yeah she shares his blood, but not his like force tainted dark side blood to that degree. You, you kind of buried the lead just there. The fact that yeah, her father people, that's amazing to me. People don't know that uh, they do a terrible job actually. Unfortunate, and this is just an unfortunate thing. The actor they got to play him, I forget his name, but he looks quite a bit like you would imagine a very young Ian McDermott would look if Ian McDermott was more handsome at that age. Yeah. Um, but like it, it, it works. But the way that they have him dressed, the way his hair's flumped over and he's got like some five o'clock shadow and it's so quick, he looks nothing like Palpatine in the couple seconds we see him. And so that's a mistake because nobody would assume like he looks a damn thing like him. And so that was a bit of a problem because you would never, ever, ever, ever think he was a clone because he doesn't look a damn thing like him in the footage there. But if you look up him cleaned up, he's like, oh, okay, that could totally work. Missed opportunity. So yeah. It was a missed opportunity in that regard because it, it makes more sense. Uh, and if they had said that, then it also further reaffirms Palpatine being a clone in this movie, giving us that explanation that we just fucking wanted. <laughs> Well, and there's this whole other mystery about, because if you don't clarify this, there's a whole mystery about when Palpatine bred. I know there are some other legend stories about how he had wives or girlfriends or whatever, but like if we're not going to develop that, it's just so much tidier if we understand mm. that he cloned his kid to create more powerful offspring. That That is way better for the character anyway, frankly, because all he really cares about is having stronger bodies to carry on his cause. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's and so much better him. if he didn't get like busy with some equally evil lady had he probably strangled eventually. Yeah, no, and it definitely makes a lot more sense. Um, I think there's a lot of things that they really could have and should have done with that that you can do with... Um, I, could, I, I, I pitched a long time back. I thought it would have been phenomenal if Ray the reason why her age didn't fit with anything in the plot line is because she was carbon frozen. Um, I always thought that that would be a cool way. And there was Jakku Imperial, faci- there was Imperial facilities on Jakku. Uh, so there's lots of potential for having like cloning labs there and having Ray's origins come from there, whether it's through a Palpatine cloning. And it's just, had they planned it out from the get go or actually given JJ an extra year, just like they could have aligned it up and not like kind of flip the bird to some of the stuff that they had set up really quite focused in episode seven and that's kind of what's tough is jj clearly had a vision for this trilogy even though he had no intention of continuing forward with it um but completely just decided to start over once again when he went to rise of skywalker he never tied up the loose ends that he started right right why don't we transition to the news tell me what's going on 
Uh, really not a whole lot. Uh, there is some annoying drama in the film world. And so most people assume and believe that J.J. and Ryan Johnson do not like each other's work on Star Wars per se. Okay. Um, or the approach they take, particularly J.J. not liking what Ryan did. And there's some credit to, like, you can kind of piece some things together, and it makes a lot of sense. And J.J. said some things that would go against that, but then you can also look back and piece, pick apart the words, and you're like, okay, well, then he, he maybe was just choosing his words very carefully, uh, and it would make sense based on the way he kind of uh, went with some things in this movie. But uh, The Rise of Skywalker and The Force Awakens editors who were closely with J.J., they were basically shitting all over The Last Jedi, saying that it undid the trilogy. And I'm thinking what no you're saying that the last jedi ended the trilogy the last jedi ended up in a spot where like it you didn't really give anybody anything but jj left them in a spot with only one thing to do uh, and jj like the rise of skywalker is the worst edited movie of the trilogy and it doesn't wrap things up in the closure so it's like it's pot calling the kettle black yeah it makes no sense whatsoever the editors of that movie they're the ones who under no circumstance can take pot shots at anybody. So who is having this debate? Because it sounds to me like it is doing nothing but creating more toxicity in an already sensitive area. Yeah. They shouldn't they're just they're just creating drama in Star Wars, which Star Wars doesn't need more of. Exactly. And that's why I think this person sucks. Yeah. Um her partner uh she wasn't as she was critical, but in a more constructive way, clearly just trying to make it so that like maybe we don't get as much trouble because uh, the first one, the editor, she just like, yeah, it, she wasn't she was she was clear as to her opinions on the movie, which is annoying. Uh, not a whole lot else in the news. Uh, Rosaria Dawson says her contract isn't finalized um, and it uh, doesn't appear to be for anything more than the Mando season two arc, which does appear to be more than one episode. Um, but there was rumors that she was in, in talks for her own show. And that's, I think, premature and not actually the case. Just actually people kind of skipping a few steps. Yeah, we'll see if she we'll see if she fits. It might as well take one step at a time, especially with everything kind exactly. of on, on hold anyway. Oh, for sure. And speaking of things on hold, uh, six weeks into pre-production, uh, Cassian show got put on hold. Uh, but they are still doing some casting and like kind of moving through some of the things that they can so that they can hit the ground running after. Uh, and they casted uh, Stellan Sarsgaard and Kyle Soler. And so I don't know anything that Kyle Soler's been in, but uh, he's, a, he's a young guy. Uh, it could be anything under the sun as his character. Uh, and Stellan Skarsgård, uh, I thought it was h hilarious because I saw him listed somewhere else as uh, just, I, if the the kind of actor who only ever plays somebody who's not to be trusted and ultimately was on the other side the whole time. So, yeah. <laughs> and the first thing I saw him, I was like, there's no way this guy is not going to be a double agent mentor like Beckett. Um, Maybe he does kind of have, have a natural duplicitous look, but he has like comedy chops and he's he's just generally a very good character actor. And I had mentioned to you that uh, in all of my struggling to come up with decent actors to discuss for Gotta Cast One, I like never would have thought of Stellan Skarsgård, but he's got Star Wars written all over him. He's perfect. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He would he fits right in with Rogue One. Uh, yeah. When I think and what is this? It's Cassian show. So it's perfect. Uh, like I've, I, I can see him. 
like working alongside Galen or so and in that kind of and being in like in a, sh- a scene with Ben Mendelsohn in that regard. I'm curious to know, maybe the, maybe Ben Mendelsohn will be in this show. It would be oh, amazing. It would be amazing. Would be so good. Well, what about uh, Galen, Galen Urso? He's he's as likely as anybody to be in this show, right? Well, if they were to have Ben Mendelsohn, then yes, I would say so. Uh, it depends really what the focus is, whether it's going to be around the Death Star. I would assume it's not going to be around the Death Star. I no. assume it'll, it'll take a bit of a different path. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. There's going to be a lot of like double agent work. It's going to be very spy based. I'm 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 excited for that show. It could be really cool. Oh, totally. Uh, when it comes to other TV shows, uh, Clone Wars, I got a little caught up on that. So as I was saying before, there's 12 episodes, four arcs of, uh, of three, ep- sorry, three arcs of four episodes. And it's a little misleading this final season. Uh, only the last four episodes, the final arc is a finale. Okay. The other, the other two are just like they belong in any other season. Tied Clearly later. Yeah. Late, uh, ish. Later in the Clone Wars, but like only ish tying up loose ends. But these last four are clearly, clearly made as a movie. Okay. Uh, it starts out with uh, the actual John Williams music, which Clone Wars doesn't usually start out with, this final last arc. Uh, and the production quality is higher. It's, it was easily by a landslide the best episode of the season, this um, first episode and the last arc of four episodes. Um, Darth Maul shows up at the end. Uh, spoiler uh it's uh yeah it's it takes place on on mandalore it's really really good siege of mandalore it's, okay don't don't like, spoil too much because we should do uh, a little four episode uh podcast uh ring about those four episodes we don't need to do the whole season but those four no that's a great idea let's yeah. absolutely do that because uh from what i gather episode three may be taking place during order 66 Okay. And episode four being the aftermath. However, I believe, um, and it's so far being kind of shown that way that Ahsoka is the main character of this four episode arc. And so it'll be told through her perspective in a different part of the galaxy as these events are occurring. So there'll be maybe a little bit of crossover with uh, Revenge of the Sith, but it'll also be different perspective of these times. Uh, and I will say at the start of the episode, a little bit heartbreaking to okay. see them flash, to see them flash across like, George Lucas wanted to have like these seven world battles in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And it starts off and they just flash to like, I think like seven worlds. And it's got like Plo Koon is on the world where he dies. Oh. Katie Moody is on the world where he dies. Um, you know, it's Alice coming. Kara is on Felucia where she dies. And it's just like everybody, all of the, cl- all of the, the Jedi are stationed on their planet that the, that they get order 66 done. Um, and so, yeah. And, uh, I won't. I won't spoil what happens at the end of the episode, but it's a. Uh, it's something that leads directly into uh, what we know. Any more news? Anything else you want to update us on? Uh, only say that Ray Park. Um, he was. He did mocap for Darth Maul, but because the movements are exaggerated and faster, they used it more as a as a guideline yeah. and, and kind of a point to move from. But they said they got a lot of great uh, additional kind of predatory movements from Ray Park. Uh, and kind of the stalking way in which Maul fights, uh, and it's like kind of very animalistic, uh, and so they really kind of learned a lot about some new movement. And uh, I'm excited to see that lightsaber battle because apparently it's going to be pretty damn cool. Lots of good Star Wars birthdays because we took a week off. Thursday, April 16th, happy birthday to Gina Carano. Um, Sunday, the 19th, happy birthday to Hayden Christensen. He's uh, I think 30, nice. 38, 39. 
It's amazing. He's like still a guy in his 30s. He has been famous for so, so yeah. long. Uh, Monday, which is the day that we're recording this, April 20th, happy birthday to Andy Circus, the genius. And next Sunday, uh, April 26th, happy birthday to Giancarlo Esposito. Ooh, nice. That is going to be one of the better bad guys I'm expecting over the next couple of years of Star Wars. Now, I, you know, I always try and relate some kind of pop cultural uh, relevance to my choosing of Gotta Cast One. I read today that Matt Reeves' The Batman has been officially uh, rescheduled for October of 2021. Like, I'm going to be married for a whole year before I see Matt Reeves' wow. The Batman, which sucks. But uh, if we're talking about just like cinematic Batman and you got to cast one, is it Christian Bale, Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Adam West, Robert Pattinson, or Ben Affleck? Unfortunately, Adam West is dead, I think. He is. And you were never going to pick him. Although maybe. Uh, Adam <laughs> West. Adam West. Adam West. Adam West. He Adam is for West. sure dead. I was in a line at uh, a hardware store uh, when, I, when I, found, I was like on Twitter. And I said to, to somebody I was with, Oh, Adam West died. And two people in front of me in line were like, Adam West died. <laughs> it was like it like reverberated through the line that it was it was tragic for oh, no. all. It was a couple years ago. Uh also Val Kilmer, I I think he's sick. Uh and he doesn't look good. Um That doesn't mean he couldn't be somebody in Star Wars. Yeah, but he's also a little bit past it, and I've never necessarily had a whole lot of like I've never been a huge Val Kilmer guy. I'm not a big Top Gun guy. Or he's a good actor, um, actually. He was so good oh, as Jim Morrison. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a great actor. Yeah. He's kind of. A, he's very versatile. And uh, he was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, right? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, obviously, one. like even George Clooney. I mean, it's easy to write him off for this conversation too. The conversation we're having here is Christian Bale, Robert Pattinson, or Ben Affleck. And yeah. Even then, even then, there's one you could cut out pretty easily. I'm pretty hard pressed to find a way to put ben affleck in star wars exactly you might have said the uh, same thing about uh, the, the dccu he's like a very versatile actor and space boston exists you know every day <laughs> i hope i show up and you're not here <laughs> he flew away <laughs> right uh, but no uh that's right wherever uh friggin mayfeld came from that's right uh, i would say no to the ben affleck uh christian bale is in easily the top five best actors in the world yeah. category. So you do I think uh, I think you have to go with him just because of that. Not Pattinson? Uh, Robert, Robert Pattinson, I think, would be excellent. Sure. Uh, I think Christian Bale would be excellent. Uh, I think George Clooney actually could work. I think Robert I Pattinson think, could have played Kylo Ren. And it would be a different movie, but it would be good. Absolutely. Yeah. But I would, I would agree. But I, th I would say at this point... Robert Pattinson has done Twilight and now Batman. A lot of franchises. No chance in hell a guy who is that artsy like that wants to do a Star Wars. Now, they got Adam Driver to do it, but I'm, my guess is Adam Driver now has his one franchise um, and his Kylo Ren armor, and he will do every movie to get an Oscar from now on. Um, but I don't know. Robert Pattinson, I think, would be sensational. You can have him as a good guy, a bad guy. Absolutely, a Kylo Ren casting would totally fit. And I think I'm going to go with Christian Bale, though, still just because you can have him you can have him do all of those things as well. You can have him carry uh, you can have him be you can really exercise his villain chops, maybe going like over the top villainy like that he hasn't necessarily done. I think he's supposed to be the villain in actually the new Thor movie. 
So I that mean, could kind of... He's, he's been Patrick Bateman and he's been Dick Cheney. So it's not like he's never been a villain. No, I know. But neither of those are Star Wars type villains per se. Um, like even Sheev Palpatine is like Dick Cheney, but he's also like got um, a, a Grinch-like grin of pure evil. I mean, nobody is as seriously evil the way Cheney is in Star Wars and that it's just like there's nothing interesting about it. Um, but I, I don't know. I think some like some insanity from from Christian Bale. I'll take that over the brooding Robert Pattinson because you're only going to get brooding. That's that's the one thing you're going to get. I tend to agree, but I, I really think that it's too easy to make Christian Bale evil and dark. I think that it's more interesting if he plays something of a cowboy, something of like like a renegade good guy who's like he does that all the time. Well. Does Ford he? versus Ferrari. I didn't see the, that movie. The, the was it the fighter? Um, no, but that's like an emotional movie. That's like a heavy character study. Yeah, but still, like those are cowboys. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, I think that's my favorite Christian Bale is cowboy Christian Bale. Well, every Christian Bale is amazing. He definitely has that knockdown. And also, he, there was like for a while, it was a believe that he was kind of a dick because of him yelling at that guy on the set. Um, yeah. Every t- every time I've heard him in interviews, he seems so nice and yeah. happy at his like like vibrant Welsh accent. <laughs> it's a couple of things. I we were not there for that. It's not a flattering moment, but it was no. like 15 years ago. And yeah. and also he is a a method actor. So like I yeah. don't I don't know what was going on in that moment. I'm not excusing anybody's bad behavior, but that's one example. And it kind of has set him up for having a reputation for being an asshole forever. And that's probably not fair. No, apparently it was actually it was a shot that they had to do a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of times, and they were almost they almost finally got it, and then a lighting guy walked in his eye, like eye line, and he got yeah. distracted, and then got pissed. But anyway, I'll take uh, I'll take Christian Bale, I'll take Robert Pattinson, I will take George Clooney. I think George Clooney could make it work. Um, I think you you rough him up a little bit. Um, I think you can make him a human. Um, I, I I don't know. You, you make him a, like a bartender or something. I think George Clooney. I don't know why, but I can see him in a galaxy far, far away. If you were going to cast one of the former cinematic Batmen to play someone in Star Wars, who are you going to cast? Let us know by tweeting at Recorder66 or emailing Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Let us know uh, any thoughts you might have had on the second 20 of The Rise of Skywalker. If you want to be caught up to where we are by next week, watch roughly the first hour of Star Wars Episode Nine. Uh, rate and review this podcast on your preferred podcast app. Uh, Stay safe, stay well, and until we're together again, may the force be with you.